Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Love is in the air. If you're joining us for the first time tonight, we are in our second week in the Song of Solomon. And in this book, you can't open it without get the feeling that love is in the air. And I find it very interesting that the deepest need of the human heart is to be loved. Not just loved for a moment, but to be loved with an everlasting love. Now, if that's true, I wonder why when I look around the world, we see so much brokenness, so much hurt, so much shame, so much guilt when it comes to love. If it's something that we all desperately crave, then why do we manage to mess it up as much as we do? And the truth is we can do love well or we can do love badly. Now that might sound strange, but we are God's family and our intention is to pursue God and to do love well. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham and I'm the pastor of Children's and Families. Uh, And I've had the privilege, we're new to Adelaide, we've been here about two and a half months now, and I've had the privilege of living in different places around the world and different cultures. And the one thing that always stands out to me is that despite completely different cultures, they all have this one thing in common. And that is any culture you go to, there is a concept of marriage. There's this concept of a man and a woman coming together, promising to love each other and be committed to one another. And I was watching TV a few years back, and they were interviewing this Italian man who had been married for 70 years. He was celebrating his 70th wedding anniversary, and they were asking him all these questions. And then they asked him this. They said, in all those 70 years, did you ever consider divorce? And he said this. Divorce, never. Murder, often. (laughs) And I love that, right? It just kind of sums up something. But then he stopped, and it's like he just, in his brain, he went back 70 years, and he started remembering his bride, right? And in typical Italian fashion, he was was describing her beauty, and he was starting to use all these words and these metaphors and similes to describe the one that he loved. And it's amazing that that's, it resorted to poetry, right? Poetry really communicates feelings. And in this book, the author wants you to feel something. He's writing a song about the one he loves. He wants you to feel what he's feeling. Prose communicates thought, right? Information. But, but poetry and song communicates how we feel. And uh, so I just said we, we knew to... Adelaide, and we were originally from Hong Kong, and we were busy packing up our flat there, and while I was packing up my flat, I found some cards that I'd written to my wife, Irina, when we were courting, and I opened one of the cards, and in it, I had attempted poetry 
Now, I have to say, when I read it, it was pure and utter drivel. It was total rubbish. But I thought to myself, what can man with average intelligence, what was I thinking? But at that time, words weren't enough. Simple words weren't enough just to say to my wife, I had to resort to something else. And so I, I tried poetry. And tonight, there is this young couple. They are in love. They're doing this song and this dance around each other. And as Pastor Jeremy spoke about last week, they, they were so attracted to each other, this beauty that drew them in. And now the couple is ready to begin courting. Okay, now, none of you smiled when I said that word, right? Courting's like this horrible old biblical word that no one uses anymore. But I want to change that tonight. My mission is by the end of this, we are going to love the word courting and we're going to, yes, that is what we want. And I'm going to put it to you like this. There is Mr. Courtship and there is Mr. Dating, but Mr. Dating has changed his name to be modern and he's now called Mr. Tinder. So we have Mr. Courtship and Mr. Dating. Sorry, I've been reading Pilgrim's Progress, so everyone gets a name. So Mr. Courtship and Mr. Tinder. For Mr. Courtship, his personality, what drives him is the idea of growing and giving. That's his default. He wants to grow and he wants to give. And then you get Mr. Tinder, who wants to get and go. That's the sum total of my poetry. Give and grow, give and grow, and get and go, these two people, right? And we're going to look at the ABCs of courtship tonight. So the ABCs of courtship are attraction, bonding, and community. And to help us unpackage this, we're going to use some Greek to help us. And particularly, we're going to look at the Greek words of love. So Greek is a different language to English, as you all know. And in English, we kind of have one word for love that covers everything, right? So I love pizza, and I love my wife. And hopefully, they don't mean the same thing. Okay, so Greek is a little bit deeper than that. So the first one we're looking at is attraction. Very important in courtship that there is attraction, and there is this Greek word called eros which is the love of attraction. You know what it is, right? Two eyes meet across a crowded room. Chemistry kind of happens. For me, I remember it. I, um, I was teaching at a Christian school in South Korea. My wife was finishing up her degree, and I went along to an English service, and there was this girl in the worship team. I have to confess, I was not concentrating on God that day. There she was, right? I looked at her, and there was eros in my heart. There was this attraction. It took a little bit longer for her, but for me, there was this eros, right? And essentially, it's a little bit of a selfish kind of love because I wanted her attention. I wanted her to notice me. It took some hard work, but that's what I wanted. And this is what you get from this couple. Here we go. Verse 8. This is what it says. The voice, she's talking now, she says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over mountains, bounding over hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. 
You can see that her heart is just filled with excitement. It's racing. She hears the voice of her beloved. He's coming. He's coming. And she says, not only that, he's just like leaping over mountains. He's bounding over hills. Now, just stop there. What picture comes into your mind? Okay, Danny. <laughs> Not you, sweetheart. <laughs> okay, I picture a little man just sort of jumping over a mountain, right? And sort of bounding over a hill. And the picture is there's nothing that's going to stop this guy from getting to see his beloved. Right? There's no obstacle that's going to be in his way. There's no height, nor depth, nor breath that's going to stop him from seeing his beloved. Give me a mountain, I'm going to jump right over it just to see my beloved. There's one thing Irina will tell you about me is that I'm not a late night person. Hit 10 o'clock and I'm totally useless. I go into screensaver mode, I'm grumpy, all I want to do is go to bed. But when, amen. <laughs> but when we were courting, we had this massive obstacle between us of time and geography. I was in Hong Kong and she was in Moscow. And the only time I could speak to her was when she finished work, which would mean 2 a.m. for me. So I would, every day, set my alarm for 2 a.m. And I'd wake up for two to three hours, and I would speak to my beloved. Obstacles, nothing, right? Not even my love for sleep was going to stop me from speaking to her. Uh, thankfully, things have changed. But at that time, that's what it was. And she describes him. She says, this man, he's like a gazelle or a young stag. Okay, no one gets excited about that, right? But... Uh, Remember, these guys are, are country people. They're going to look what's around them, and they're going to use that to describe each other. And uh, she, she chooses the gazelle. Now, the gazelle is this graceful, beautiful animal, but it's incredibly strong. Or a young stag, which is incredibly beautiful, yet full of strength. And here's the bottom line. Compliments are important. Right? All of us like a little bit of you're beautiful and you're handsome. Right? All of us like those, those little things. And God created us to find beautiful things beautiful. And the reason he did was that they were to lead somewhere. When you find something beautiful, it leads you somewhere. It leads you into worship of the one who made it all. If you find someone attractive, it should lead you somewhere into a deeper relationship with that person. We don't just stop at the physical side, the physical attraction. And this is what she says. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. Okay. So Jason very kindly managed to just Come up with a lattice for me. There it is, right? So what I want you to get is that this verse does not give you guys a license to be creepy and go peering in girls' windows. You can't say you got this in the Bible and now you can go hang out staring into girls' windows. But what it does mean is that he is proactive. He does something. He gets involved, right? And courtship requires being 
proactive. But here's the thing, and she confesses this, right? She says, he is behind a lattice. Now, okay, I'm going to lift it up a little bit, right? There you go. Now, when you see behind a lattice, she can say, I can see him, but you can't see him completely. He's kind of partly known to me. I can kind of make out who he is. Yes, I like what I see behind the lattice. I think he's a young stag. But the truth is, I don't know him fully. It takes time for someone to come around the other side of the lattice. You might think they are a gazelle or a young stag, but you are only just getting to know them. And let's be honest, guys, when we're in a relationship, we put our best foot forward. We put the best of who we are forward because we want to be liked. And that's what she's saying, right? He's behind a lattice. And the feelings you get, he's kind of partly hidden, a little bit of mystery. And that's exciting. The butterflies are going. The emotions are there. And this is where pop songs earn their bread and butter. Any pop song that's ever been written about love, it's about eros. It's about this thing that kind of turns your stomach, this excitement that happens. And Mr. Courtship, he wants to go beyond eros. He wants to go beyond just what is attractive. But Mr. Tinder, he loves it, yeah. He loves hiding behind that lattice. He loves the feelings he kind of gives off. And he's really not interested in moving much further. But Mr. Courtship, he takes this relationship further, right? And there is a bonding that begins to take place. And there is a Greek word called philio, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, right? And it literally means it's a love of affection. You like each other. You care about one another. You begin to share your life, your interests, your history, your background, and here it is in verse 10. You can see the relationship going deeper. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, come away. They're not just looking at each other anymore. He speaks. He's drawing her in. He woos her. You know, I said, Irina and I, we, we had this long-distance courtship thing, Right? And the one thing that we missed out on was the, was the nice sort of cuddly holding hand stuff. We didn't have that, right? We just weren't next to each other. But the one thing that we did have is that we learned to talk to each other. It's all we could do. And we would talk for hours. We would share who we were. We would share our interests, our history, our background. We would pray together. We would read God's word together. We would share our struggles, our successes, our failure. And when we did that, the relationship changes. It changes as we grew to know each other. And then you can see in verse 11 how she responds to the relationship. She says, For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Guys, in winter, nothing happens. 
It's cold, it's rainy, and the only thing we are doing is waiting for warmer weather. Amen for to the day we had today, right? That's what we've been waiting for. For the last three months was a nice, beautiful day. And when you're in love, you begin to, you begin to see things differently. You begin to see that the, the world is different. You begin to see flowers. You begin to hear the birds singing. But here's the thing. Things are blossoming, and you begin to imagine a future. When things blossom, you start thinking, one day there will be fruit. And here's a huge difference between Mr. Courtship and Mr. Tinder. Mr. Tinder, he is focused on the here and now, instant gratification. Give it to me now. Mr. Courtship, he is focused on a future. And when you have that in mind, you move on to the C of our ABCs. And the C is community. And there's a beautiful, beautiful Greek word which describes community. And that is, I'm sure you've heard it a lot, agape, which is a love of care and action. It's not centered in feelings. It's centered in care and action. And this is what he says. Now he's talking. This is what he says to her. Verse 14. Oh, my dove. In the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He calls her a dove. Okay, now a dove is this beautiful, gentle bird that's often used at weddings. You have a wedding, you have doves, and you throw them up in the air, and they're beautiful little white things. But here's the thing with the dove, is that they have plenty of predators. They can be taken out just like that. They can't really defend themselves. So what they do is they hide themselves. This beauty is hidden in the cliffs and the crannies of the cliffs. And he's saying, don't hide anymore. Don't hide anymore. Come out. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. Guys, agape love offers protection. It protects. And then he says this. He goes, let me see your face. I want you to think about this carefully. I'm going to ask you a question. What can a face do for you? Think about that. What can a face do for you? Hands... Hands can do something for you, right? Lend me a hand. Can help you. Feet. Run and get me some coffee. Feet will help you. Even ears. Lend me your ears so I can listen. But what about a face? What can a face do for you? You know, I find it very interesting that Jesus says again and again and again in his word, seek my he never says, seek my hands. He says, seek my face. A face is intimacy. It's who you are. If you want to know someone, you look into their face. 
And you don't want to see a mask, right? You don't want to see a mask. You want to see who they are. And I always find if, if you're in a relationship with someone and you don't know the other person and you say, let me see a photo of that person, what do they show you? They show you a photo of their face, right? It would be weird if they pulled out, oh, look at these hands, you know? Don't they have great hands? But it's a face because a face is who you are. And what they're really saying is here, he's saying to her, I want to get close. I want to know you. I don't want to just look at your body and be fascinated by that. I want to know you. Let me see your face. I'm going to say something that might cause us a little bit of embarrassment, maybe to blush, but it's true. Human beings made in the image of God are the only species that make love looking into each other's face. That's not a mistake. That's intentional because God wants intimacy. He wants us to be known. And then he says, not only that, he says, let me hear your voice. You know, when Irina calls me, I never have to say, Who's speaking, right? If I did, she'd kill me, right? But who's speaking? I know her. I know that voice. And often when it's a time of crisis or something's gone wrong, we've had a bad day, we'll often say to each other, I just needed to hear your voice. Not that I needed to hear what you had to say to me. I needed to hear your voice because your voice brings peace, it brings calmness. It brings comfort. Agape love offers intimacy. It offers comfort and peace to the one you are with. But get this, guys. It's not all roses, right? This wonderful song, this relationship is booming. It's blossoming. They're singing love songs together. But there's this little catcher. Verse 15, it says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Now, he's described their love the whole way through as this vineyard that's, that's blossoming, that's beautiful, that's beginning to, to give the promise of fruit. But he says you've got to be very careful because these little foxes, they get in there and they destroy the vineyard. And if you don't deal with the foxes, they will damage and destroy the vineyard so much that there will be no harvest, that it'll just leave damage and shame and wreckage. And he says to her, deal with them, right? Deal with them. Do something about it. Did you notice that? He says, Catch the foxes for us. It's about us. It's not just one person anymore. It's about an us. So what are the foxes in courting? I've, there's plenty. <laughs> there's plenty. But I'm going to pick two. The first one is the fox of isolation. This idea that when you begin courting, that you do it on your own, that you don't involve anyone else. 
that you kind of forget your family or you forget your friends or your church community. You know, how many times have we seen a couple, they get together and then they just drop off the radar and they spend all their time just together? I'm going to say this one particularly to the ladies and the girls. If you want to see what he's really, really like, see what he's like with his friends, how he behaves with his friends. That's a big one. But this one is the real key. If you want to see what he's really like and what he's going to be really like, see how he treats his mom. Is he gentle and respectful with his mother? Because one day, that is how he's going to treat you. And you will not know that if you live your courtship in isolation. The second fox, which is very much related to the first one, and it's an obvious one, is that of sexual temptation. Now, guys, I'll be the first one to say that it's not easy, right? We have the best intentions, but we can deceive ourselves, right? We think, well, we love each other. We're going to get married anyway. Yeah, what's the big deal? But sexual intimacy is a beautiful and wonderful thing. It's created by God. He didn't look down and think, oh my goodness, what are they doing? How did they ever think to do that stuff? You know, he knew about it, right? He designed it. It's not a bad thing. But he created it with this boundary. He said, if you want to enjoy it to its absolute fullest and what it's created for, it comes with a boundary. Guys, what's that boundary? Somebody should know. <laughs> We're in church. Somebody tell me, what's the boundary? Marriage. Marriage. Josh, are you married? Did you have to think about that for more than two seconds? No. Guys, I don't want to oversimplify this, but either you're married or you're not. And if you're confused, come chat to me afterwards, right? <laughs> but it's this simple. If you're not married... Don't do it. If you're married, go for it, okay? Enjoy it. That's what it's there for. But it is a fox. It is a fox. Deal with it. And here the thing is, agape love deals with difficulty. Agape love deals with difficulty. It is brave. It is not afraid. It deals with the foxes. I just want to challenge you in your courtship, in your relationships, deal with the foxes. The whole poem comes to this beautiful crescendo. We're at the pinnacle now. And, and it just blurts out. She can't hold it in anymore. And she shouts, my beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on the cleft mountains. I belong to him, and he belongs to me. I am my beloved, and they, and he is mine. Guys, agape love offers all. It offers all for the exclusivity of one. Do you notice that? There's no one else. There's no flirting on the side. There's no maybe keeping your options open. 
You're committed to one. Agape love encourages. Do you notice what she says there? She says, be, like, be a gazelle. Be a young stag. Now, earlier in the poem, she said, you are like a gazelle. You're like a young stag. And it's kind of like saying, this is what you are, now live it out. Okay, Jesus says the same thing to us. When he redeems us, he comes into our lives and he says, let me take your sin, let me take your rubbish and I'm gonna give you my righteousness. I'm gonna declare you justified and I'm gonna call you a saint. Now live like a saint. You are a saint, now live like a saint. She says, you are a stag, now live like a stag, right? You are a gazelle, you are strong and graceful, be strong and graceful. Wives and ladies, future wives, <laughs> encourage your husbands, encourage your men. We might look tough and hang out at Bunnings, but the truth is we're fragile. We need encouragement. Agape love encourages you are a man of God. Be a man of God. Now, if what we read tonight finished here, this would be awesome, right? This is the happily ever after moment, right? Reaches it. She says, I'm yours, you're mine, and that's it. But it doesn't end there. We begin chapter three. Look at this, right? That very night, they've, they've been entering this courtship. They're doing things right but that very night, this is what happens. She goes to sleep and she has a dream and this is what her dream is. She says, <clears throat> sorry. This is the dream. <clears throat> this is the dream. On my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets and the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. She has this dream that she's lost him, and suddenly she's all totally insecure. She's totally insecure. In a dream, she's panicking. She's running around trying to find him, and she can't. Have you ever had a dream when you've lost something or someone, and, you, and you're like, in your dream, you're panicking to find them? Her whole Worth is invested in this relationship. And she panics because she might lose him. And it goes on. She says, the watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Oh, scarcely had I passed when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and I would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. She finds him, and she holds him so tight, and she wants, to, she wants to take him to the safest place that she can think of, right? And that's her mother's house. He's not getting away from me if I can just keep him in my mother's house, right? In her dream, she's kind of taken him captive not to let her get away from him. Her whole worth is bound up in this relationship. And then she says this. She goes, she wakes up and she thinks to herself, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or waken love until it pleases. And it's what she's saying is, guys, this stuff is hard. It messes with you. It messes with your emotions. 
And it's not a game. It's not a game. When the time is right, it's worth it, and it's a beautiful thing. But love is not a game. And this is where we meet our our two characters again, Mr. Courtship and Mr. Tinder. For Mr. Tinder, it is a game. Love is a game. Let me see what my score is. When I had enough of Eros, I just want to go, I cash in my cards, and I leave. But for Mr. Courtship, it is not a game. That is someone's daughter, that is someone's son, and above all, that is a child of God you are courting. And he knows that, and it is not a game to him. Guys, I want to be that Italian man, right? I want to get to my 70th wedding anniversary and say, yes, there were times when we wanted to kill each other, but we stuck with it. We loved each other. We said, for you and you only, for the rest, you are mine and I am yours, and we just devoted ourselves to each other. You are the one for me and I am the one for you. Here's the truth. Married people will know this. You will not always have eros, and you will not always have filio. It will change from let me see your face to turn away, you have stinky breath. (laughs) You will not always like each other. In fact, you might dislike each other rather often, but you will always love each other. And he'll say, we're going to stick with it. Divorce, never. Not even an option. She's mine. I am hers. That's the vision it gives you. But here's the crunch, right? You might listen to all of this and think, oh my goodness, this is awesome. I'm ready for it. Why do I have to keep on waiting? Or maybe you're married and you're thinking, that sounds wonderful, but it really hasn't worked out like that for me. What I want you to hear tonight is this. There is another one who loves, who's courting you, who's saying to you, now is the time. Now is the time. Come to me. This is the year of Jubilee. There is no more divide, right? Once you're separated from Christ, once you were strangers of the covenant of the promise, having no hope and being without God in this world. But now, now, you don't need to wait any longer. The curtain has been torn. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There are no more obstacles. There are no more mountains anymore. You can come. You can come. Let me romance you. This whole passage screams of Jesus. He's got his fingerprints all over it for his love for the church. You know, and like every courtship that is well done, he is looking at his church and he's saying, let's go deeper. Let's bond. Let's bond. Filio, let it fill our lives. Agape, let it fill our lives. Let it fill the relationship that we have with each other. It offers intimacy. He offers and accepts us. And unlike that girl who becomes so panicky and she doubts and she becomes insecure, he's saying, that's it. You never have to worry about that. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm perfect. He is the lover. 
that says to you, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He's longing for that relationship between us. And he desires for us to be a people that will be able to say that back to him. Lord, let us see your face. We're not seeking your hands and what you can do for us. We want to know you. And I have to take you back to this. If you've got your Bibles, turn back with me to this. This is important. We're going back to chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved, right? This is Jesus. He speaks and he says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. He's saying, come and see. Come away with me. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. We need to realize that the season, the winter of sin and death and shame and guilt is finished. It's finished. We don't need to live there anymore. Don't go back there. Don't pretend it's winter. Come, it's spring. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Guys, the kingdom of God is breaking in. You can see it. You can hear it, right? Jesus said it like this. The good news is being proclaimed to the poor. The deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see. What season comes after winter? It's not a difficult question. Spring, right? Why do we love spring so much? Do you guys like spring? I like spring, okay? I'm just, it's not really much. We love spring because of the hope it gives us. I have a cherry tree outside my window, right? It's in blossom at the moment. I'm, every day I look at my cherry tree. I'm excited it's blossoming, but I'm not so excited that it's blossoming as in the fact that I know it gives me the hope that there's going to be fruit. I'm going to get cherries one day. That's what fills my heart with excitement. Not the fact that it's blossoming. It gives me the hope that there will be. And this is the gospel. It says, come into spring now. Let's go deeper. Let's enjoy. Let's see God's kingdom breaking in now. But it also gives us the hope of summer. It gives us a hope of a relationship that will never be broken. That'll never let you down. Because the truth is, every relationship, every human relationship that we have, no matter how beautiful it is, even as we read this book, young lovers, how beautiful that relationship is, it will never last. It'll never truly satisfy the way that the Lord is calling us in to a relationship with Him. And He is faithful. You know, the problem with any relationship is that we're broken people. You take one broken sinner and you put them with another broken sinner and you end up with brokenness, right? But if you take a perfect savior and you put him with broken sinners, he makes us beautiful. He makes us beautiful. And he wants us to know that. He wants to romance you. He wants to call you into a courtship with him. 
He doesn't want to leave you with all warm, wuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy, wuzzy feelings. Fuzzy feelings the whole time. He wants to call you into a place of intimacy, of knowing that he loves you, of knowing that he will provide for you and care for you, that he will not let you go. So I want us to finish. We're going to finish with a song called Come and See, and it's an awesome song of rejoicing, of celebration, because that's who we're celebrating tonight, right? We're celebrating a lover who's come for his bride, and nothing is going to stop him. Nothing is going to stop him from getting to his bride and saying to her, you're beautiful, my dove. You're beautiful. Come away with me. Come and see my beauty. Can we stand? I'm going to pray with you, and then let us worship. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the lover of my soul, that you are the lover of your church. That no matter how ugly or broken we might look, but Lord, you make us beautiful. You make us beautiful with your righteousness. Lord, may the church again, may we again see that the banner over us is love. Lord, I pray that as we go out and we face our week, may we be reminded of your love for your church and that you desire us. I pray that you will spark in us a desire to call on you, to desire to see your face. Lord, I pray may that be the desire of my heart, to see your face and to know your voice. Lord, as we worship you now, may it be sweet and fragrant. May we rejoice in the victories that you have won for your church. In Jesus' name, amen.